God so loved the world that he should give us his only begotten son. Counting on that much love of God for us at all times, let us pray our confession together. Almighty God, we have wandered far from your love. We have neglected your word in the torrent of words that we hear and read every day. Our hearts are troubled amid the conflicts and violence of our world. Sometimes we find it easier to withdraw from everything, to resist change, unless it's required more of us. We know you are reaching out to heal us, help us to respond. We know we are surrounded by your love. Let us feel it deep within, that we may reflect that love to all we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, who ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, in his name, God has forgiven us from all our sins and all our shortcomings today. Friends, believe in the good news of the gospel. As forgiven people, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, as a family in faith, let us greet one another in Christ's name.
Well, good morning. We are grateful that you are with us here at Church of the Palms this morning. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome and that you will know that you are always uh, welcome to be a part of our great family here. We encourage you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pew and uh, to note those folks who are sitting near you. Perhaps you can continue a conversation with them after the service. Underneath the tree, isn't this the perfect day? perfect day to have coffee under the tree, so uh, make a point to join us afterward for that time as we carry out our fellowship beyond uh, these walls. Lots of uh, great things are happening. We had a wonderful tutoring potluck this past week uh, uh, in the campus center and also throughout the courtyard where our tutors and their families were able to be together and celebrate another great year of tutoring, and we are thankful for all those who participated in that great ministry, and we encourage you to be thinking about that next year as uh, perhaps this is the time for you to, to come into the life of a child and help them to learn and, uh, and create a friendship as well. We have a couple things to call to your attention that are in our bulletin. First of all, uh, we invite you to, uh, if you are a parent of uh, a young child, we invite you into a new uh, program this coming, this month, uh, May 5th and 12th and 19th. It's called a Parent Coffee and Conversation Time, which will be at 1015. Uh, information about that is in your bulletin. So we invite you to, I believe it's over in the Campus Center, for you to enjoy some time together with uh, parents uh, that uh, share with you the journey of raising children, and you can have some conversation about how you can be further equipped to be a good parent and to be uh, an extender of the faith. We also invite you to, uh, if you'd like to help us out with our food drive coming up on Saturday, this is uh, to come alongside of the post office that's collecting food. We will be sorting out food and uh, helping those good folks on uh, Saturday afternoon at the Ashton Post Office. So take note of that information in your bulletin and we invite you, the whole church family, doesn't matter how young or old you are, to come and help us out with that uh, great opportunity. If you'd like to sign up for that, you can uh, just go to the umbrella, the yellow umbrella underneath the tree and they will be glad to take your name. We want to keep in our prayers the family of uh, Jim Clark. His funeral will be uh, Wednesday at three o'clock and also the family of Bill Greenwald who passed away uh, just this past week as well and we can keep them in our prayers and also the family of Jace Mitchell, a 23-year-old uh, who passed away very suddenly uh, this week and we keep his family in our prayers and there will be a service uh, in Jace's memory on 5.30, at 5.30 on Friday on Siesta Key Beach. And we celebrate with Harry Joburg who turns 100 this week. So if you know Harry, yay. Probably, you know, deserves a standing ovation, but we won't ask you to do that. But uh, uh, if you do know Harry, please reach out to him and let him know uh, that you are very impressed. Let's continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings. Share in God's dream. 
we pray. Lord, we're grateful that giving is a blessing and not a burden. As we reflect upon all that you've done for us and the resources that are ours, we pray that you'll continue to make us uh, more grateful and happy to give. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you in this way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. May be seated. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Pretty good? Good, good, good. Any kids? Come on down. Come have a seat up here. I think we just ran over to get our kids who were singing because they weren't outside yet, but they'll be here soon. Hey, guys, how are you? Good morning, good morning. We're so glad you're here. Oh, my gosh, look at the orange. We almost match, except yours is brighter and prettier. Good morning. How are you? So we are going to start a whole new series, hey, Victoria, today on patience. Patience is waiting until later for something that you want right now. So easy to wait or hard to wait? It's kind of hard to wait for me. Can you think of one thing that has been hard for you to wait for? What's one thing? When you cook, because you have to wait for it to get done. Tallulah. AJ, hi. Getting kittens. Waiting to get kittens. That, my friends, if you were in Pastor Steve's house, you'd wait a long time. <laughs> Ryan. Um, when Jello is uh, molding. <laughs> when Jello is molding. You have to wait quite a while. That's absolutely right. Wow. I didn't expect that one. Victoria. When you want dessert. Hold on one second. Now. When you want dessert. When you want dessert, yes. It, it's kind of hard to wait when the cookies are cooling off. Oh, my goodness. We're on a food theme here. Are you guys hungry? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you have something that's hard to wait for? Halloween. Halloween? Oh my gosh, that is so true. This, speaking of Halloween, I was thinking of Amy. Come here. You have something that's hard to wait for? Yeah. Come here, a little closer. When, but when you have to save up for a pet toad that you just discovered you wanted. <gasps> oh, so when you have to save up for a pet toad that you just discovered that you wanted. Excellent. One last, Michaela. Waiting for Girl Scout cookies. Waiting for Girl Scout cookies, absolutely. Well, I got to tell you, the story that we're doing today about patience is one that we did earlier in the year. This is one of my favorite things about reading the Bible. Because when you read the same story, sometimes it says something different to you than the first time you read it. So this time, we're going to go into Genesis, into the Old Testament. My favorite place there because it's the first book of the Bible. I know I can find it really easily. And we learn about Esau and Jacob, those twin brothers. And do you remember that Esau was the hunter, the big burly hunter who went out all day long, but he didn't catch anything. His brother Jacob is at home cooking. And he cooks that great big stew, pot of stew, and Esau comes in and he goes, I'm so hungry. Can I have a bowl of your soup? And you know what Jacob says? Sure, my brother, you can have a bowl of my soup. You just have to give me your birthright. Well, you know what a birthright is? It's his whole inheritance. It's all of his money, all of his power that he was going to get. He was so impatient, he gave it all away for a bowl of soup. 
crazy. That is a bad, bad consequence for not being patient. So here's what I want you to remember today. When you're waiting for something, stop and think twice so you don't do something because you're impatient that you might regret later. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we know that you have a plan for each one of us, and sometimes we have to wait for it. So help us all to be patient and to wait for the things that you have planned for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, let's go. Hearing some of the responses to that children's moment reminded me of the couple days ago I was in a coffee shop and a sign on the wall that said, unattended children will be given a double espresso and a free kitten. <laughs> With that in mind, our scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 16. Beginning at the 11th verse, we are in the midst of this uh, sermon series on the mission and purpose of the church and looking at various stories as guided by the lectionary <clears throat> as to uh, what the church faced and how it unfolded during the course of the uh, days of the apostles. So with that in mind, let's hear this good word from Acts chapter 16, starting at the 11th verse. Luke writes and says, we set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the woman, women who had gathered there a certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a, a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We are mindful, O Lord, of your promise to speak to us through this word. So we ask that these words to come will simply point to that word just read and to the word made flesh, even Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Ten years ago, while I was on sabbatical leave, and with a curiosity in Celtic spirituality, I joined up with a group of clergy and lay people to visit the Celtic, the key Celtic sites in Ireland, the thin places as they are called, places such as the Aran Islands and Glendalough and Newgrange and a host of others. 
I didn't know any of the participants in this group that I was joining. And so the first few days we were together were spent getting to know each other and to hearing our stories. At dinner one night, I found myself sitting across from a middle-aged woman and I asked her what she did and she said that she was an Episcopal pastor. Now, when pastors get talking to each other, they often want to know the particulars of their churches, you know, size, location, budget, staff, facilities, etc. Such was my inquiry of this pastor. So I asked, where's your church? And she said, well, it's in the city of Boston. I said, oh, that's nice. Well, where in Boston? She said, nowhere in particular, just Boston. I said, oh, well, um, how many members do you have? And she said, I don't know. Kind of varies. I said, okay, whatever. So what does your church look like, I asked. Well, it doesn't look like anything, she said. We don't have a building. Now I was getting very confused. It took me a while to get to her story. Her name was Deborah Little. She was an ordained Episcopal priest, and over time she had felt the calling to leave the confines of the church and to walk the streets of downtown Boston and to minister to homeless people. She had never done anything like this before, and on her first night, she thought, well, what should I take? So she filled her backpack with socks and string and a first aid kit and shelter lists and a prayer book and healing oil and AA meeting schedules and chapstick and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. She took to the streets. She sat on park benches and hung out in subway stations. She developed friendships over time with a host of characters until the time when she decided that maybe she should hold church there somewhere, in particular in the Boston Commons. She did. Her new homeless friend suggested a particular corner of the Commons, and she rigged up an altar using an old cart with a piece of plywood on top, and she used the 23rd Psalm as their corporate prayer, read the serenity prayer as their confession, read a gospel lesson, shared a few sentences of homily, and then together they received communion. Afterward, she handed out for their fellowship hour peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That was her first church service. 16 attended. More came the next Sunday and more came the following Sundays. And it wasn't long before they called themselves Common Cathedral. And at the time when I met her, Common Cathedral had grown to a worshiping community of about 120. She too was on sabbatical leave to wonder what might be the next chapter for her and for her Common Cathedral. She is still with them today. One of the things I learned from Deborah Little over the days and chats we had together was that her gospel was a gospel to go. It was a gospel for delivery. Hers was not a dining in gospel. Hers was a gospel to go. You know, you get that kind of question when you get to some eating establishments here in town. Will you be dining in or will you have this to go? Because if you dine in, the meal is given to you in one way, surrounded by a certain aesthetic. 
And if you're taking it out, taking it to go, the meal is, of course, given to you in a different way. The meal is the same, but the packaging is different. Deborah Little realized that the gospel had to be packaged differently because it was a gospel to go, to be delivered to a new and to a different people. It's an issue I think that the Apostle Paul struggled with all the time. More often than not, Paul would find that his brand of Judaism, informed by the teaching, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, was a Judaism no longer appreciated in the synagogue. So usually it didn't take very long when Paul got to town before he would be kicked out of the synagogue for blasphemy, and now his gospel had to be a gospel to go. No dining in for Paul. He didn't have a choice in that matter. And so Paul would have to sit on the street corners and preach in the public commons in order to gain adherence and listeners to his message. In our text this morning, Paul finds his way out of the main gate and over by the river outside the town of Philippi. In Philippi, there likely didn't even, they didn't even have a synagogue, so Paul found a cluster of praying Jews out near the main gate of the town, which gave him the chance to speak publicly and to connect with whomever may come their way, and in Philippi, that likely meant Gentiles. One such Gentile, Lydia, overhears the gospel to go at the main gate, and she's intrigued, and she wants to know more, and she wants to be a part, and she wants even at the end to host these itinerant apostles in her home after they have baptized her family. All because Paul had not cloistered himself in, but instead was unafraid to take the gospel out to the gate. Now, when talking about this gospel to go, I realize that in part, when I preach here at Church of the Palms, I'm preaching to the choir. Church of the Palms embodies a great history and tradition of packaging the gospel to go. Show up on this campus any day of the week and you will see it happening all over. The gospel gets packaged in all sorts of ways. Bags of food packed and given to those who are worrying about their next meal. Tables of tutors over in the campus center teaching school children worrying about their next test. Counseling offices filled with clients, some of whom worry about facing the next day. Classrooms of preschool teachers caring for children whose parents are working to pay the next bills. A garden ministry over across the way whose mission it is to package a gospel in a way that might be heard by a different group of people. So much of what Church of the Palms is about is packaging the gospel to go. And yet, can we even think about it at a deeper level? What if this morning you arrived at this church and found the doors of our building padlocked? You, you couldn't get in. Now, for the purposes of the story, the reasons for their being padlocked are immaterial. They're just locked. You show up and the doors are locked. You go to a nearby church, same thing, the doors are locked. In fact, every building in town is locked. You can't get in. And it's not just this Sunday, but every Sunday, you can't get inside a church building. 
you have been put, in effect, into the shoes of the Apostle Paul or Deborah Little. What would you do? What would the gospel to go look like for you? What would be your hierarchy of priorities? What would you be most concerned about having in your gospel to go? Would it be the stained glass windows? Would it be the hymn books? Would it be the marble table, the silver trays? Would it be the palm branches? Would it be the great oak? Would it be the organ? Would it be the comfortable pews? Are these the things that make up the church? Or would it be the bread and wine? Would it be the words of the text, the people with whom you rub shoulders, the water in the font? What would make up the church for you? What would make it the gospel? Interesting, isn't it, that likely all those things that after we thought about it for a while, that we would render non-negotiable when it comes to the church, things like bread and cup and water and text and people and cross, all these things, interestingly enough, are transportable. You can take these things anywhere. They don't require any of the other things. In fact, we do this every Easter morning down on the beach. We bring the text early in the morning. We bring a cross. We bring an instrument or two, and we bring ourselves, and then we see who's going to show up usually a thousand or so do, to rejoice in the gospel, to go, to rejoice in the resurrected one who is, as he told his disciples, on his way to Galilee where he will meet them at the shoreline. So as Church of the Palms is on its way into the future, surrounded presently by such wonderful things that embrace our dining-in experience, stained glass, marble tables, silver trays, we, we look back and remember something. Where did we first worship? Do you know where this good church first held its worship? A funeral home. Toll Brothers Funeral Home on 41. How fitting is that? The Christian faith got started in a cemetery, and Church of the Palms in 1957 got started in a funeral home amidst caskets and embalming fluid. Didn't matter, of course, what the place looked like to those good people. What mattered was the text, the water, the bread, the cup, the cross, and the people. Vessels, all of it, of the Holy Spirit. You can take those things anywhere, and they can be found anywhere. Helmut Tideke, the great German theologian and preacher of a generation ago, said once, the gospel is always being forwarded to a new address. So if in the future 
our dear church in our effort to reach new and different people, things should change in our effort to reach children and youth and parents and those disconnected from the church and folks of a different station. The packaging in our effort to do those things may likely look a little different. The sounds and the sights may sound and look a little different. The ways we're used to may feel a little different. But that's okay. I don't suppose you can get much more different than a funeral home, for heaven's sake. For heaven's sake. Because it's the same meal, just packaged a different way. Because it's the gospel to go. Friends, the good news is the most important thing, in fact, the only essential thing upon this table is the bread 
and the cup, the bread and the wine. For those are the things that Jesus instituted such that we may remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only son and not just gave his only son, but made it such that his son was sacrificed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. These are the essentials. And this is really the food for which our souls crave. And the good news is we're all invited, every single one of us. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what tradition you're a part of, you are invited to partake of this meal such that you would know that you are included in the great family of God, that you are a child of God. So this is the good news. Good news such that this food can be eaten in or taken out, that the world might know that there is a God who so loves all. So you are invited and encouraged to come to this table to find here the feast of forgiveness and love, to know of God's great gifts of mercy and grace. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. We rejoice, O oh Lord, that you have invited us to this table, not because we got it all right this past week, but because you know that we need your grace and your mercy. We need your forgiveness. We need a chance to start over. So we are grateful, Lord, that we are here in a welcome place at this table alongside of our brothers and sisters and ask, O oh God, that you will now attend to us at this meal, that this sacred meal might become for us the feast of the kingdom of heaven, that we would sense the presence of your Holy Spirit, the presence of your Son, Jesus, and know that you are here to empower us to be your people in the world. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life, says the Lord. Those who come to me shall never hunger. Those who believe in me shall never thirst. Those who come to me I will in no way cast out. For blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Thank God in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for this holy feast. Now send us out to make and equip your disciples for the service of Christ. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.